Hey, listeners. If you love the Hashtag Am Writing podcast, you'll love the Hashtag Am Writing emails. So sign up. You get show notes and links, sure, but that's not all. You'll get invites to ride-alongs along with bonus episodes and thoughts on revision, TikTok, and more, plus access to commenting and chatting on Substack. And we will never, ever share our list with anyone else, because we wouldn't, and because that sounds like way too much work, and we're mostly in this for the hang. So pop your name on our list at amwritingpodcast.com. Is it recording? Now it's recording. Yay! Go ahead. This is the part where I stare blankly at the microphone and try to remember what I'm supposed to be doing. All right, let's start over. Awkward pause. I'm going to wrestle some papers. Okay. Now one, two, three. Hey, I'm Jess Leahy, and this is the Hashtag Am Writing Podcast. This is the podcast about writing all the things, short things, long things, screenplays, poetry, fiction, nonfiction, doing the research behind the scenes, doing the hustle. More than anything else, this is the podcast about sitting down and getting the work done. I'm Jess Leahy, as I mentioned, and I am the author of The Gift of Failure, The Addiction Inoculation. Uh, I have written for The Atlantic and The New York Times and The Washington Post and some other places. And we spend a lot of time here talking about that the productivity stuff, the nuts and bolts, the how do I actually get this thing done? And if you listened last week, um, and again, I actually, I want to apologize for the sound quality for last week. In order to get together, um, KJ Delantonia and Serena Bowen, my two co-hosts, and I have to find a mutually um, appropriate place to meet. And when I say appropriate, what I mean is pet-free. One thing you may not know about the trio of us um, is that Serena Bowen is allergic to animals, and KJ Delantonia happens to own a lot of them, and I happen to own a lot of them, and so poor Serena breaks out when she comes to our houses, so we have to find a spot that works, uh, and sometimes we meet at the library, and where we recorded last week, we met at the library, and I don't know what it was about the room that day. They had really loud air system going on, so apologies for last week, but I want to catch up and leap off from last week's discussion, because last week I summoned KJ and Serena. They had no idea what the topic was going to be, and I wanted to talk to them about summoning your accountability buddies. I work best with a deadline. I've done a couple of things in order to make deadlines happen for myself. I will construct them out of thin air and put them on my calendar, and sometimes that works. I have also told my agent, uh, the wonderful Lori Abkemeyer, sometimes to expect that she's going to get pages or chapters from me at a certain time or place. My, um, my editor has done the same thing. And that works great, right? Because I don't want to cross my agent or my editor. So right now I'm working on a new project that's fiction. And it's just a completely new thing for me. If you've been listening, you know this is really hard for me. Mad respect for fiction writers. Um, Nonfiction just seems to just seems to happen for me. I I love it. I love the process of researching. And by the time I've done the research, I kind of already have the shape of the chapter in my head. And I love the process of of translating science and turning that into something that people will want to read. At the same time, I thought, well, great. I have this story I really want to tell. And this 
plot means a lot to me. I've been working on it really, really hard. I know the characters really well. Um, and so I've been trying really hard to get this book written. And the problem is, is that I just, it's so hard. It is so hard for me to write fiction. I don't know what the hiccup is. Maybe it's just a matter of practice and getting it done and getting the time in doing this and building those muscles up. But either way, it's been tough for me. And so I've been putting things off. I've been working on it very slowly. So I summoned my accountability buddies in order to get them to hold me to some deadlines. So we got to that room in the library, that very loud room and, and echoey, by the way, room in the library. And we opened up our plan books and we uh, came. I had come up with some dates that they're supposed to hold me to. And my first date for really having fleshed out my outline well, and this book is a thriller, so I need to know, for example, things like, you know, not just what happens in each chapter, but who knows what when. There's a lot of reveals. There are a lot of secrets. There's a lot of, you know, information and evidence that has to come out at, in a certain way. And it's really hard to keep in my head who knows what when. So uh, that's been really difficult for me to get down in outline form. But I will have it done by the deadline, which for me is May 31st. And that will be the first date that I have to uh, text Serena and KJ and say, I did it. In the process of talking about those things, Serena revealed some really important Scrivener tips and tricks for me, and I mentioned that it has been a goal of mine for the past couple years, a goal that clearly I had never reached, to go really learn more about Scrivener. I'm doing the bare minimum in Scrivener. I love Scrivener, but I'm not really taking it out for a spin in a way that would really help with my productivity. So I dedicated some time this week to finding out what some of those things are. I watched a lot of tutorials, went to the Scrivener's uh, YouTube page. They have their, I'll put all of this in the show notes. I watched a whole lot of TikToks, some really helpful, some not at all. Uh, there are a lot of writers out there who uh, love Scrivener. There's a lot of writers out there that have problems with Scrivener and use other things, but I learned a ton. And so in my usual fashion, I went out, I learned a lot of stuff, and now I get to teach you about it. So I am going to have my computer open while I'm doing this because I like to be able to see what I'm talking about while I'm talking about it. And hopefully the clicking of my little keys will not be too much for all of you. We're going to start with something Serena mentioned last week. She likes to set up well, let's back up. She likes to set up her document as one big folder with lots of text underneath it as individual chapters. I never did that. I have done what it appears most people on TikTok and YouTube seem to do, which is set up their chapters as individual folders and then put scenes within those individual text scenes within those individual folders. Serena pointed out that that can be a more difficult way to do it in terms of getting an appropriate, uh, an accurate word word count for the whole thing. I don't know that I'm sold. Usually Serena is my guru for all things tech, and I did go ahead and reformat uh, my entire book by pasting, you know, all the stuff I had in. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure I'm sold on her technique yet, but either way, I'm trying it. It's a thing. We'll see how it goes. Now, the next thing she talked about was icons. In order to differentiate those, differentiate those text uh, blocks that are 
chapters of the book or scenes, she needs to, especially the way Serena writes, since she writes um, with alternating perspectives most often, she needs to know whose perspective is this from? Is it male? Is it female? So she has come up with her own icons in order to do that. So I wanted to explain to all of you, because it took me a while to figure it out, how to change icons. And I was determined to not just text Serena and say, how do I change icons? Help me. Because then she has to take time out of her day uh, in order to teach me something that I could find out just by looking it up. So I looked it up and here we go. Now, Serena's reason for changing icons is great. You know, knowing whether it's a male or female character, knowing uh, whose perspective it's from. But there are lots of reasons you can change icons. You can change icons in order to differentiate finished chapters from unfinished chapters, edited chapters from unedited chapters. It can be a really quick way to look at your files or at your folders if you're going with the alternate way and seeing where you still have work that needs to be done. And uh, either way, what you do is this. In your... Um, in your document, you can go over to your chapter headings um, or your uh, whatever icon is you want to change of your for your text. You can do one of two things. You can right click if you're on a PC. You can uh, control click if you're on a Mac, or you can go up to Documents and Change Icon. And there's a whole bunch of really great. Um, icons there for you. You can change it to a pencil for editing, a light bulb for idea, a um, an eye for come back and look at this later, that kind of thing. So there's all kinds of cool icons that you can change over to. And I really, I think I'm going to do that. I think that's a really cool idea. You could also do it as, you know, change it as a way to bookmark where you were and where you want to leave off the next day, that kind of thing. So yay, Serena, that's a really cool tip. Number two, there's a name generator in Scrivener. I had no idea, and it's so, so cool. You go to Edit, I believe. Hold on one second. Yes, Edit and Writing Tools. And under Writing Tools, you can go down to Name Generator. Name Generator lets you do a lot of really cool things. Let's say you need to generate names for your characters. Let's say you are a former guest, uh, Sarah Stewart Taylor, and she's writing one of her wonderful, juicy Irish mysteries, and she needs to come up with names that are Irish. She can choose Irish um, in one of the lists. You can look at like Finnish names, four names, German names, Hindi names, Italian names, first names, last names, both. You can put them all, you know, you can look up first names and then also look up last names. You can, I mean, like there's Catalan here. It's amazing how many uh, names you can come up with. You can uh, have it uh, obviously do male or female or either, which is great. You can have it attempt alliteration. If you like names that have some alliteration to them, cool, you can do that. You can do double-barreled surnames, you know, hyphenated surnames. You can have four, the first names use initials only. That's kind of cool. You can have the number of initials, change that to whatever you want. Let's see, how many initials can you do? Okay, only up to three. Still, I mean, it would be a really ridiculous name if you had more than three, but kind of that's fun. Um, anyway, an obscurity level from low to all. So if you want a really obscure name, you can set it all the way at the end and come up with names that probably don't appear in anyone else's books um, if that's your thing. So 
Um, I'm, I'm really excited about this, and I have some names for some of my characters, but not all of them, so I will be using the name generator. This looks really, really cool. Next up, you can also, under Writing Tools, um, again, that's Edit Writing Tools, go on over, and there's name generators at the bottom, but one above that is Linguistic Focus. Now, many of you know uh, that I'm a huge fan of Stephen King's On Writing, and one of the things he talks about there, and in fact, one of the things many people talk about in any book about writing is um, adverbs, right? Uh, Stephen King, he's like, kill all adverbs, but especially kill all adverbs when it comes to dialogue attribution. So many arguments about this. You know, you don't want to really say things like, uh, you know, get out of my way, Sarah Huffed. You know, most of the time, most of the time, you really want to use said. Uh, said is the dialogue attribution that really makes the most sense, right? So, what we're going to do here is you can look in linguistic focus. You can look up direct speech. So, for example, you can have it highlight all of the dialogue in your book. You can have it highlight all the nouns. You can have it highlight all the pronouns, all the adverbs, all the verbs, all the adjectives, all the prepositions, all the conjunctions. You can even um, adjust how much, how transparent that color is that highlights all that stuff. So, when you are done with your chapter, when you're done with your book, you can go straight to the uh, linguistic tools. You can ask it to highlight all your adverbs, and then you can go back and you can say, hmm, I've got a lot of adverbs, especially in dialogue attribution, and you can kill those adverbs. Easy peasy, very, very cool tool. Okay, now let's talk about Inspector, View and Hide Inspector. Inspector is a tool that allows you to see your table of contents or your outline over on the left. Um, you can do this lots of different ways, but on my, on my computer, my um, outline is over on my left, my complete document. I can see all the little folders and all the little, you know, bits. And then in the middle is my main document, right? And then over on the right, there's under inspector. If you want to use the inspector, you have to go up to, uh, let's see, we have to go up to view or share inspector. And that is under, oh no, I just lost it. Oh, sorry, under view, that would make sense. View, view or hide inspector. And if you hit click on view inspector, then what you can do also on top of, you know, having some pictures over on the side, Serena and I talked about this last week. I, you know, often when I, if I have a piece of art, I can put that over in my, in my uh, inspector, um, in my notes and it gives me sort of a mood for the scene. But one of the other things that you can do is you can snapshot um, sections of text or the whole chapter. If you want to start messing around with the chapter, let's say one day you're like, you know, this thing is in third person and I just want to see what this chapter looks like if I switched it to first person. We've talked in the past about what a nightmare it is to change these things. But it, let's say you want to do it just for giggles. You can do this. Highlight the text that you would like to have a snapshot of. And believe me, I'll explain that in a second. And then you can have it take a snapshot of that um, of that text. And what that does, it's under documents and snapshots is at the top of the documents menu. You can have it take a snapshot of that text and you can have it show the snapshot of that text. You'll hear it, you'll hear it take the snapshot if you've got your sound on. It's like when you do a screen grab. 
or a screenshot. And if you have it show the snap the snapshot shot, it will be over on the right hand side of your screen in your little um, in your little sort of working area over there on the side where you can have notes, where you can have a synopsis, that kind of thing. And that is can be really helpful because if you get to the end of changing from third person to first person, you decide, oh my gosh, that stinks. I want to undo everything I did. All you have to do is just cut and paste your snapshot and put it back <clears throat> where you were because now you have a way of sort of reverting back to your original text. Uh, it's a safety net. It's a really lovely safety net. I have been known to do stupid things like highlight whole paragraphs and just put them in like a dummy document. If I'm, let's say I'm in Word and I can stick them in a dummy document and then I know I have that text and I've saved it. But here it's a little easier because it's sitting right there next to you and it allows you to, to do that. And by the way, if you were changing from third person to first person, you could um, use that uh, linguistic tool that we were just talking about, that linguistic view, to look for, you know, maybe all the pronouns. And then all of a sudden, you've at least handled the pronouns. I mean, it makes this is all very exciting. I'm getting very excited about this. Okay. Speaking of revisions, we can do something called revisions mode. Also very cool. One of the big uh, complaints that some people have had about Scrivener is that it doesn't have track changes. What it has instead is something called revisions mode. And what revisions mode allows you to do is you can look at your uh, your text in various colors. And what's cool about it is if you go under format to revision mode, you can use, for example, in my menu, it's just the default is red is the first revision, blue is the second revision, green is the third revision. So you can indicate which revision you're doing and it will it will color the text in the various revisions. Um, is that as easy as track changes in, you know, I just happen to be really used to track changes. And I'll get to that later because for me anyway, when I use Scrivener at the very end of all of my writing, when I think I'm actually done, I do compile into a Word document. And the way I move documents back and forth with my editor is in Word. So I actually don't know that for me anyway, revisions mode is going to be that helpful, mainly because when it comes time to do really formal revisions, that will be done using track changes in Microsoft Word, unless my editor, you know, changes her mind about what tools she wants to use. But I happen to be a big fan of track changes. One place you can organize all of this information about your icons and all of that kind of stuff is if you go to projects and project settings, you get a dialog box that helps you. You can adjust things like your section types, whether they're headings, subheadings, or sections. You can get a full list of all the labels that you're using. And so I would imagine if I were to look into Serena's label list, she would have like, you know, her little gender icons and her colors for, you know, whether which character it is um, and their names. You have a status list. Um, you can also set statuses to various um, sections. You can have, you know, we talked about using labels for this, but you can also set these things to, for example, a piece of text. You can set something as in progress. You can set something as a first draft. You can label it as a first draft so that you will know, always know, oh, this is the first draft of this. You can label something as a revised draft so that you know you've done it. You can label it as a final draft, which will save you from having to come up with all these new document names like, no, 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 this is the final one dot doc, that kind of thing. You can also label it as done, which is really nice. 
You can do some things I don't understand. I do not know what the custom metadata is for, but maybe there'll be a part two to this. And if someone wants to chime in in the hashtag AmWriting Facebook page and let me know what it means to customize your metadata for um, under project, then sure, let us know. You can uh, standardize your formatting here. You can uh, come up with background images, which are, is kind of fun. Um, anyway, there's lots of things you can do. You can also set up how often you want it to back up. As a total backup freak, I have it back up just as often as you possibly can. It freaks me out. And speaking of backups, yes, I still use um, Dropbox and I back up to uh, the cloud uh, through Apple, and I back up to a hard drive that's um, also, this is really embarrassing. When we moved into this house, we actually had a, uh, there's a fireproof safe in the basement just because they didn't want to move it out. So I actually also have my computer on a hard drive in the safe, and I back that up once a week. And I have a time capsule for my Mac laptop. So I have, I have backups everywhere, mainly because I've, I've screwed up in the past and uh, don't be me, don't be Jess, have lots of backups. Now, since the whole point of this was to call on my accountability buddies and keep track of what I'm doing, um, I asked Serena and KJ last week about whether they would use a burn chart. Serena uses her cute pine trees to, to, you know, to mark her progress in her journal. There's also something called, um, there is a tracker. Uh, you can look at the statistics for your document. So for example, if you go to under project and statistics, uh, a box will come up and it shows you your words, your characters, um, characters with no spaces, how many paragraphs, how many sentences, average paragraph length, average sentence length, um, how many documents are within your main uh, main project, um, average document length, longest document, shortest document, pages um, in paperback format. So if this was going to be compiled into paperback format, how many pages there would be, and the reading time if you were going to read your audiobook. That's pretty cool. I love that. You can also um, have it look for word frequency. The word frequency thing is really cool. Um, you can have it look for individual words that you use on a, um, there are certain words I think I've mentioned in the past that I overuse the word particularly in my, in the gift of failure. Not only is it a word I overuse, but it's really, really difficult to, st to say in audio format. So I try to avoid using it since I read my own books, or at least I read my own um, nonfiction. We'll see if this fiction thing ever happens. Um, but under the project statistics, you can also, under options, you can have it count your footnotes. You can have it count all kinds of things. So if you love data, then you are all set with your project statistics, So which is really cool. Here's something that's also really cool. You're writing history. You can look to see how many days you've spent on this project, how many days you actually wrote on this project. You can look at how many um, were average words written per day in your draft. You can look at the total words you have, obviously, and then it will act as this thing really does not let you get away with anything because it'll show you the dates that you worked on the project, how many words you wrote on that day, and what your running total is. Um, it gives you your writing days and 
and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, it's a geekorama. I'm sure Serena knows about this, and I'm sure she already knows that there is an export button on the bottom left-hand corner. And so she would like to export that into a spreadsheet, which I'm sure she has done. You can do that as well, which is, again, very, very cool. Uh, Serena's all about the data, and I and it's, it is really cool to see just how far you've come. The other nice thing is you can set goals for targets, sorry. You can send set targets for your writing. And what you do is you go up to project and you say show project targets. Under that, there's a draft target and a session target. So if you want to write a thousand words a day, your session target would be a thousand words. If you if your draft target, let's say your book, let's say you're writing a fiction, a work of fiction, and you want it to end up at around a hundred thousand words, then your draft target will be a hundred thousand words and it'll show you how far along you are towards that target. The other nice thing is that the session target is usually and I'm, I'm pretty sure it'll show up for everyone this way, shows up at the top of the document. Yes, it does, actually. Um, there's a grayed out line at the top of your main document, and it will show you how far you are along in your project target. And there's a little line that goes across the bottom that shows you how far you are along in that. Um, what's really maddening sometimes, as I have found out, that when you're editing, you can be right where you want to be and, you know, you're working, 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 and maybe you're working on word count and then you start deleting things and you realize, wait, no, I'm going backwards and that doesn't feel very good. But I do like having the little line up there. It sort of keeps me moving along toward a larger goal, whether that's my session target or my project target. As listeners know, we also like to talk about accessibility options. Serena um, and I have talked a lot about uh, text to, um, excuse me, speech to text. Here's kind of an opposite thing that's pretty interesting. If you go into edit and speech, one of the things you can do if you'd like to select some text, you can go from edit down to speech and slide over to start speaking and that computer voice will actually start reading your text to you. So this could be super handy. I mean, if you need the accessibility options, then there's one for you. But let's say you're just, um, you're cooking and you're like, man, I wish I could Double, I could multitask and actually get some editing done at the same time, or at least just check, you know, read over my work to see how it sounds. You could be sitting there uh, working on chopping onions and you could have Scrivener read your text to you to see how it sounds. It's in that computer voice, so I'm not saying it's great, but it is a really cool option that, uh, that you can use as well just to check in to see how your text is sounding. And finally, if you are like me, you get easily distracted while you're writing. We used to refer this to, ow, it hurts, meaning the minute something becomes difficult, you say, ow, it hurts, and you look for something else to do. One of the things you can do if you go to view and then scroll down to enter composition mode, it's there's full screen, which is great because it fills up your entire screen with your inspection view and all that stuff so you can see, you know, the outline and what's over in your inspector area. But enter composition mode is lovely because it is just your document, nothing else. 
everything's blacked out. You can't see your toolbar. You can't get distracted by other things. You can't see unless if you have your sounds turned off. You don't know when an email has come in. And it's really great. It allows you to just have a black screen with one piece of paper as if you're, you know, typing on a typewriter and the piece of paper is scrolling out of the typewriter. And this has become an essential tool for me. It just lowers the noise in my head. It gets rid of all of the extra stuff that I could get distracted by. And I don't need any help with that. So um, I hope this has been helpful. I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep finding ways to make using Scrivener better, easier, more productive. There is a big learning curve. This is one of the complaints um, from Scrivener is that because it's new to you and it does things slightly differently than some of the other document, um, the other writing tools that you've ever used before, it can take a little while to get used to it. And, you know, all of us are looking, well, I am anyway, always looking worried about the fact that I'm just distracting myself with the details and not actually doing the work. I've been putting off really getting to know Scrivener. So I'm hoping that through doing this, it pushes me, like I said, I need a deadline. It pushes me to get to know Scrivener better. And through that, I can help you get to know Scrivener better. So with that, I'm going to leave you for this week. Um, I'm just I'm still so impressed by the supportive nature of our hashtag um, AmWriting Facebook group. There's some really cool stuff going on over there. Many of our hashtag AmWriters are getting really cool new jobs and getting assignments and finishing books and getting books published. And everyone there is rallying around each other. So if you want to join the hashtag AmWriting Facebook group, please do that. What we would love to do more of, and we heard your comments. Someone in the hashtag I'm writing Facebook group um, emailed us to let us know that they really, really miss our, um, just the three of us talking. And by the way, not in a room with a really loud air system like the library, I promise that they really miss just the three of us talking. And there has been a reason that we've been doing things slightly differently later, and that's because of writing pressures. Um, as people have had deadlines, we've been rotating who's sort of in charge of the podcast, but we hear you. We like being together and talking about our progress too and what we're up to and things that we've learned and what we're reading and what we're doing. And we'll be doing that more of that soon, I promise. I've missed it too. So you're not the only ones. In the meantime... Until next week, keep your butt in the chair and your head in the game. The Hashtag AmWriting podcast is produced by Andrew Perilla. Our intro music, aptly titled Unemployed Monday, was written and played by Max Cohen. Andrew and Max were paid for their time and their creative output because everyone deserves to be paid for their work. Are you itching for a career change, but struggling to figure out that next chapter? Do you love reading and the creative process? By now, you've probably heard us talk about book coaching, how much we love being coached, and how much I loved my coach training. Book coaches help writers bring their dreams to life through support, feedback, project management, and accountability at every step of the book writing and publishing process. 
Author Accelerator's Book Coach Certification Program teaches you the key editorial, project management, organizational, and people skills needed to launch your own thriving book coach business. So, to find out if book coaching is the right career for you, Author Accelerator is launching a new five-day challenge to help you envision your next chapter. In their $99 one-page book coaching business plan, you'll narrow down your business idea, your ideal client, your ideal service, and more. Enrollment opens May 15th and runs through the end of the month. So visit bookcoaches.com backslash podcasts and enter the code podcast at checkout to get 50% off the one-page book coaching business plan challenge, which makes it $49.50 because I can do math and that is a deal. So bookcoaches.com backslash podcasts. Check it out.